Well, thank you so much, Lindsay, for, for joining us today and joining me today. I, I first like to start with individuals' journeys before they, you know, go off and do amazing things in the world. So, so let's start with, with your journey before Company Ventures. Thanks so much for having me, Grant. It's awesome to have this conversation with you. I mean, let's start back at when I started my career. Like, I went to college without any doubt that I was going to college, that I was going to graduate and sort of knew in my heart that I'd land on my feet, being the second, third generation in my family to pursue higher education, right? Mm -hmm. So when I went to school, I was kind of trying to figure out what would be a meaningful career. Um, I started off working for the city of Chicago, doing arts programming um, for the Department of Tourism. And then very early on in my my career journey, I bought a one-way ticket to Ecuador. And Mm -hmm. I spent two years running hotels in rural communities in Ecuador, and specifically like Shout out to my friends, Andres and Michelle, who built the Black Sheep Inn in Chukchalan, um, wow. where I really saw the impact of a socially and environmentally responsible business. It's called the Black Sheep Inn. It was like built around um, educating tourists about ecotourism hmm. and investing a lot in the local community. So are they still active? Just real quick. The Black Sheep Inn is still yeah. alive and well. Yeah. Okay, great, great. Yeah. And everyone should go. It's the most yes. spectacular. Marking it down. Place. I'll link to it. I'll link to it. <laughs> you should. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, it was before I actually had language around social enterprise, but that's what this was. And right. when I came back to New York, sort of traded in the hiking boots for heels and a suit and <laughs> found myself working in corporate marketing, um, journeyed off to corporate philanthropy, And then went to business school specifically to study models of impact investing and social enterprise, social entrepreneurship. So then after school, I kind of tried a few other things. And I think it really all clicked for me when I arrived at the City College of New York, um, ultimately to run the entrepreneurship program there called the Zahn Innovation Center. Here I was working for a public university in New York City. These were often first-generation college students and building a program to teach the skills of entrepreneurship, both for the professional skills that that helps somebody to navigate their career, but also to help students kind of live the dream and, and launch their companies. And I was working at that place of intersection of social impact oriented businesses, mostly by nature of the students and the challenges that they were eager to solve, combined with the world of tech startups and VC and kind of the the tech ecosystem in New York. I can go into more detail there, but like that basically brought me over to the team at Company Ventures where I've been since 2019. And my role there in impact is working with our early stage founders who were running both mission-driven companies in some cases, and in other cases, these are more tech-forward startups, mm-hmm. and working with them on understanding what's driving them, building a clear set of values, and a clear commitment to ethical behavior, to diversity, equity, and inclusion, and kind of a deep understanding of where we are as, a, as an ecosystem and how messed sure. up it is. <laughs> sure, and, sure. And then I ultimately, you know, in just the last six months, have been starting to build this new program with the city of New York called the City Fellowship. That's great. And, and with early stage founders, you know, if they have a, you know, a social sort of mission already sort of integrated into their, you know, business model, and then you have sort of, you know, tech, tech or SaaS companies coming in as well. How do you look at impact from maybe, is it, is it different when you're talking to a type of company that is sort of software oriented, tech oriented versus a company that kind of already has impact built into their model, 
do you do you talk to both sides a bit differently about what they can do to to be better and to to move forward and grow as a company? Yeah, that's such a cool question. I think there's the first layer of who am I really working with? So company mm-hmm. ventures is specific. We are a venture capital firm. We don't consider ourselves an impact investor. And yet there is this layer of criteria that we look for in terms of what truly values-driven leadership can and should look like. So whether or not the business itself has a has an impact model to it mm-hmm. or, or is a more you know, typical SaaS product or what have you, there's, there's still a quality of leadership that is the kind of first layer, <laughs> right? Yeah of, yeah. of who we bring into the community, you know? So then, so like, I just want that to be clear, right? So then when I'm talking to, to these two different types, if we want to just kind of make it binary like that, these two different types of, of founders, I'm still talking to people who are interested in being thoughtful about how they build and not just let me get after the money as quickly as possible. So the conversation with the more, you know, kind of straightforward tech oriented is about them still as a leader and what's driving them and their big vision for building the company. And then thinking about the culture and environment in which they've worked before and how to bring out the best of the team around them and and create an environment for people to truly bring their whole selves to work. With the mission-driven organizations, a a lot of that conversation you you kind of skip over, Right. right? Like they are all heart in what is driving them to to success. And so then it's the more tactical Mm -hmm. of like, okay, so what does this look like in implementation? That tends to be where the conversation goes. Does that make sense? Does that like reflect anything that you've heard from all these different conversations you've had with different innovators? Yeah, I think, I think so. I think when I talk to a lot of, you know, founders from, you know, really mission driven, I look at it from mission driven founders usually are looking to solve a societal issue through business. And I think that when, you know, traditional, let's say just call tech founders, they're looking at solving business problems through business. (laughs) So you kind of have just two different mindsets right out the gate. And and so I tend to see that, you know, mission-driven founders are very driven by emotion, right? And and very much a different mindset on sales and marketing. Like that's not how sort of they have been taught or or they, they, their brain just works a little differently. And I, and I think that getting into more traditional venture firms, looking at them and layering their skill set right on top of that sort of emotional mission driven you know mindset i think that's where i see the most impact starting to happen and i that's where i'm very very optimistic because we haven't had that traditional vc mindset get into impact quite yet and uh, i think that's what what i see happening and it's 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 really really inspiring i'm so optimistic because i know if both get together really special things will will start to happen um, so that's kind of what i see right now Yeah, I hear that. I don't know, my mind goes a few places. One is that there is such optimism with any entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. right? Like in order to be crazy enough to try to bring an idea (laughs) into reality, right? You have to truly be a believer of something. And I hear what you're saying that for some that's solving a business problem first and for others, it's solving the, the, the social environmental challenge first. But I think either way, if you tap into that optimism, you can also create a system, a, a structure of support around mm-hmm. how to hold on to that and how to keep your keep what's most important to you in that early vision moment 
mm-hmm. as you start to face the pressure of investors or you know having to build your team really quickly. And what does that look like when you're also trying to think about building an inclusive culture or just you know how you design your product and who the users are and ultimately like how to build something that's that's going to create the the disruption that you're looking to create, mm-hmm. um, but to do it in a way that fits with that initial vision. And so that's where I find it really fun to work with those kind of more tech forward businesses where you're like, you've got this all in you, right? And <laughs> how do you just create guardrails to hold on to it as you pay, face the pressures of, of, of growth? What do, you, what do you think are some of the main issues or overall, let's say like, you know, first steps is a really, as a bad way to term it, but like when these founders, they get funding, right. And, and they sort of, you know, you speak with them or if it's a group, you know, when you're talking with them, like what are some of the similar guess questions that, that they ask or facing, or maybe similar sort of weaknesses that, that they have that they need to approve on. Is it, is there some that early stage companies like, okay, you get funded now, here's what you need to like work on. Is there like a, a systematic approach to you know, day one to day 30? Look, every founder's journey is going to be a little different. I think the questions that come up are about the implementation. So it's like, you know, I know what's motivating me. What we do at companies, we work with founders to help them to articulate a vision, a mission, a set of values, an understanding of their full stakeholder map, and a degree of accountability to each of those stakeholders. Right. So that it's not so that you're always holding in tension the needs of maybe your investors, but also your early employees and also your customer, but also your environmental footprint, but also the communities that you're touching. Mm -hmm. Right. So that just making all of that, which is in the back of every founder's head. Right. It's there. Making that something that is like visible and actionable is the, the best thing that I think we can do <laughs> to support a founder and <laughs> actually holding themselves accountable to, to what they're trying to accomplish. Because it's very easy to feel pressure in one direction or another. And then you just develop the tunnel vision to solve that, that one problem. When in reality, you know, the, the, the context of building the company is so complex and those who are yeah, affected by what you do so massive it's, right it's crazy yeah i know I, I tell people all the time we think of i mean i literally got the name calls artists from like artists being like founders because like the ability to build like a scalable company takes so much creative thinking and creative processes to create really really good companies that scale it's so difficult to do like it, it no you know we look at you know da vinci's and picasso's as like artists right but I mean, Tesla and Amazon, Microsoft, Apple, right? These are, these are parallel things to, to paintings, right? It's just company, their art is just different. And so that's, to me, I know how difficult it is. And I know the help that's needed and, and sort of the community effort, you know, it takes a village almost to, to build a, to build a company. That is really beautiful. And what, what it gets me thinking about too is, you know, the, the vision of what it is to be a startup founder is also not this monolith. And we have kind of created the, I mean, we're, we're starting to do a much better job of this, but like, you know, the picture of what a founder looks like and how, how they have to operate mm-hmm. and what the journey looks like for them in order to tap into VC, in order to start that uh, hockey stick, like growth trajectory. And I think 
part of what has me so deeply committed, committed to the world of diversity, equity, and inclusion in tech is that there are other models, right? There's just like, there's other types of leadership that you might see from a female founder that you might see right. from a black founder, right. right? An indigenous founder, somebody who has inherently a different relationship to community, a different relationship to how they want to build their revenue, how they want to share the ownership of their business. Um, that there's just space here. Mm -hmm. If we break open <laughs> the model of yeah. like start like tech startup VC scale, like break that open a little bit to make space for so many other geniuses to enter the room, I think we all benefit, right? So therefore, yeah. like whether it's a mission-driven business or a tech forward business, sure. there's also just the question of like, how <laughs> you build <laughs> that we have an opportunity to like play with and reset on and have deeper conversations about. I want to talk about New York a little bit, the fellowship, because I think New York has an amazing opportunity because of its diversity. You know, we see Silicon Valley as being sort of the first tech hub that's really, you know, proven scalability and proven startups, it proven that way of, of kind of creating business models. And then Miami is sort of flowing up now a little bit. And New York is is much more diverse than, than these places. Miami is, is obviously diverse, but New York is insanely, insanely diverse. And so with like, I think saying that is that I think New York has such an opportunity to be like a different type of a founder hub and tech hub because of just the diversity and the diversity of businesses that it can create because of, like you said, just the different backgrounds and the different way of looking at things. So what is the, tell us a little bit about the fellowship and, and what that's about and what's, its, what, what's the plan there? I think on the question of diversity, it's depending on how you want to define diversity, you're going to find it everywhere. And there is this question, I think, that is important for us as a tech sector to ask of like, who has been marginalized by how we have built ourselves as an ecosystem, as an industry. So just level setting there, I think it's really important to, to think about the diversity in all different geographies. In New York, you just have it all like on top of each other. <laughs> right? New York is such a small- Yeah, yeah. I was, only, right? I, was, I was coming at it when I was- you know, in New York, I was, I was talking to somebody, I think it was, I was actually interviewing somebody and they said that New York has over 800 languages just in New York city that people speak. <laughs> right. So like, uh, they were like kind of working in the city. So it was like, imagine trying to have to like do like one pages and like, it like signs like billboards <laughs> and government signs around like thinking about how to really, really, you know, touch your citizenship, right? When when people yeah. speak eight hundred languages, right? Like that just doesn't exist any anywhere else. That, that that's what I meant just by by the diversity of just like cultures, right? Yeah, I hear you. Um, I think what is a very cool opportunity for New York City is you layer that on top of the diversity of industries. So mm, you have yeah. all of these different identities in New York, right? You have. Uh, immigrant communities of all sorts. You've got um, you've got the um, these different languages. You've got all sorts of gender identities. You've got all different racial identities. Sure, and then you also have this the hub of the financial sector, the hub of media mm -hmm. marketing. Mm -hmm. You have mm -hmm. right the hub of real estate. So trying to figure out transportation. 
Right, right. Yeah, let alone like government infrastructure. So what are the problems that are out there to solve? They hit New Yorkers every day in the hardest, most in-your-face ways, right? Because we are so on top of each other. So the, the idea of the City Fellowship, which we just launched with the New York City Economic Development Corporation, the whole concept is we sit in a place at Company Ventures of venture capital, which typically takes the resources, the, the privileges that we have, the connections we have, and directs all of those resources to those startups that could potentially be in our portfolio. And yet we have this deep commitment to New York City. It's important for us as a business, but it's also important for us to see our future here in New York. You need New York to be a thriving place for all of its residents in order for the tech economy to exist and in order for us as a firm to like really feel um, that we are integral into the future of the city. So we've had relationship with the EDC for a long time and have built out an urban technology hub to be this home of urban tech infrastructure um, startups for the city. We've also had a long-standing relationship with the City University of New York to talk about the future of our workforce and ensuring that first-generation college students are getting access to uh, the tech sector, right, and getting that on-ramp into great careers. So what the opportunity of the City Fellowship allows us to do is take all of these resources of a venture capital firm and direct them to impact-oriented entrepreneurs that may or may not find their way into our portfolio, right? Like that be an outcome, sure. but that's really not the, the first level intent. The first level intent is we have all been beaten up by COVID over the last two years, mm -hmm. New York City, so hard yep. hit. We have a responsibility to the future of the city by helping to support those innovators that are much more community focused, that are looking at innovations that solve social challenges and in the definition of the fellowship are creating areas of economic equity and or climate action for the mm -hmm. city. Mm -hmm. um, and the whole program is built around centering the experiences on, <clears throat> on entrepreneurs of color and on women entrepreneurs, because those are who have been you know, historically marginalized in the tech sector. So let's put their experience at the center of this fellowship and see what we, what we learn and how best we can kind of grow as an ecosystem. I want to talk a little bit about my favorite part of all this is talking about portfolio companies. And if you don't mind, are you able to share just some of the maybe companies that are startups that you're super excited about that Company Ventures has invested in? Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's, again, there's the world of like, you know, technology <laughs> first, and there's the world of impact first, right? I look at Caffeine as a really interesting example. They were part of our cohort of Grand Central Tech, which is our one-year residency program and accelerator program. They were mm -hmm. in that program in 2020 into 2021, which is a tough year to be part of any program. Sure, sure. <laughs> but their founders are trying to build solutions to help like fintech solutions to help low-income folks develop a stronger credit history mm -hmm. um, through a rent-to-own model and they're just driven by the the opportunity of financial inclusion and yet they come from this banking background and this technology background and so bring all of these skills towards towards creating that 
um, that type of equity because our Love you it. know yeah. credit ratings are based on ridiculous things that cut people out forever. Yep. Right? So yeah, totally, totally. How do you fix that? Yeah, let's see. Another example. There's an amazing company called Matheson that I have loved working closely with. And they just kind of connect all the dots on creating inclusive hiring processes for companies, connecting that to uh, workforce development training organizations so that they have their candidates, like mid to senior level candidates that come through all sorts of nonprofit workforce development relationships. And then they go and they work with a company to help that company evaluate their hiring process uh, and actually give that company a scorecard of here's how well your, your job description holds up from an inclusivity lens. Here's how well your like evaluation matrix looks like. Here's what we're seeing from the culture of your company, from what you've published. And kind of gives that feedback to the company while at the same time sourcing candidates that are probably outside of that company's like typical pool and creates this kind of full circle workforce development solution where the the employees find themselves in better better companies that are really attentive to creating a culture of belonging and the nonprofit organizations that are training those employees are getting all of this feedback of where their candidates are successful or where they're falling out of the, mm -hmm, of the mm -hmm. process. And the companies learn along the way, you know, what's working and what's not working if they really have intentions around diversity and inclusion. Developing so they're one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah, it's like educational for them while also solving the problem of like you're trying to hire and you've got the candidates for you. So when let's... Real quick, go back to to the fellowship. Is it going to be like a like a year, like six months, like three months? And is it from hey, I have an idea stage, right? Or is it do they actually have you know users? Um, the program's nine months, and the expectation wow. is you're working every day on your actual business, enterprise, cooperative, nonprofit, whatever your business model is. All good. You're working there every day, so this program just adds five hours a month of a commitment on top. Through the program, you are connecting with a cohort. You are getting access to all of our, you know, resources and connections as a VC firm. You're getting access to our North Star program, which is the whole values-driven leadership program that we offer to the other founders. Um, you get access to our relationship with CUNY and a, a paid intern for the summer um, to join your team. And wow. the, the, yeah, the idea is that by the end of those nine months, you've established some goals that you're trying to achieve with us. And we've worked collaboratively to, to get you there. So it's a small cohort. We're looking at about 15 entrepreneurs to join us in the first year. And we really hope that this is an intimate and hands-on and peer-driven program to really support their success. That's great. I want to go back to a couple more questions here. One would be, you mentioned uh, corporate philanthropy early on yeah. in your career <laughs> would it how, how do you do you feel that that has been sort of successful let's say over you know your time let's say just you look over the past like couple decades or decade or something like that <laughs> I guess what that feels can, like a loaded question <laughs> well, I, because there's so much potential there, right? <laughs> right there's, there's just so, so much, much money there's so much money so much money and yeah it, it almost seems like we're we're given to the same exact problems and issues every year. And it's like, yeah. well, if we're given all this money, why are the same issues existing? 
Sure. So I guess like if you were to maybe put that hat back on, right? Like how can we improve that? Right. Where is there a fellowship we can create for like head of corporate philanthropies that yeah. we can make that much more impactful and efficient? To me, what what drew me to social enterprise was the embedding of values and impact into mm-hmm. the business model. Totally. Yeah. Right. Like, like I feel yep. like that's your interest too, right? Totally. Yep. That way, when you're successful, so so are you successful on the impact metrics that are important to you. So that's one of the like inherent challenges of corporate philanthropy when it's not already part mm-hmm. of a larger mm-hmm. impact mm-hmm. strategy yeah. at who you are and what you're trying to achieve as a business. It ends up being the same. It has all the same pitfalls as private philanthropy, mm-hmm. right? It's, um, it's not systemic always, right? So there's so much money yeah. that gets moved through corporate philanthropy look, that money is going to great places and there are great nonprofits out there that are supported through that philanthropic giving and Mm -hmm. they are creating change and and helping people in meaningful ways. But what I just get excited about is how you bake that into the everyday of how you design your business. Which again, I think comes back to this question of like, are you an impact business? Like, are you mission-driven or are you just trying to be a responsible technology company. Yeah. And I think you can be the latter. You can involve some degree of corporate philanthropy if that's part of how you think you can have impact, but you can also think hard about your supply chain. Totally. Right. Or you totally. can think hard about yeah. your packaging yep. or yeah, who you're displacing by, you know, setting up shop. So there, I, there I just, are a myriad of yes. ways to embed it into any type of business structure right and that's what i think is promising to me is that you know just because you're xyz type of company in some type of sector like that doesn't mean you can't have really really impactful things that occur when people buy from you or if it's a b2b if you do business like there are just so many ways to impact the world positively from any type of business and any type of business sector that it, it just feels like that there just needs to be, you know, people in their ear showing them how to how to maybe incorporate these things um, rather than just kind of doing it the traditional way. And I get it. Look, I mean, it's been the same for thirty years, right? Like, hey, you just allocate this amount of money to nonprofits every year, and it just go and it just repeats itself, right? It just repeats itself. I get I get frustrated when the problems that they're funding keep repeating themselves, <laughs> and nothing sort of improves. And, and so, from the funding aspect, I think there can be some tweaks, but also just from, like you said, business models, how can our business feed that same fire as as we're giving to this type of nonprofit in this sector? Okay, well, how can we embed that same type of of impact in our actual business model to where we're actually working alongside the nonprofit in some way in that sector to double up on the impact more and more, right? My ideology is always like, Mm -hmm. nonprofit's real goal is to go out of business. Yeah. Right. It should be like a, like a 50 year cap on nonprofits or like a hundred year caps. <laughs> if the problem still exists, like you have to restructure and you have to like file again for <laughs> your, your 501c3 type of thing. Like they just, there has to be accountability, I think a little bit on all these levels. So that's, that's just my take. Uh, I, I'm, I'm hearing you and I, I don't disagree. I mean, we're just so fractured too, as a nonprofit sector, right? Having worked there as well. Yeah. Uh, there's yeah. 
there's just millions of nonprofits, right? So are we actually creating, again, systemic change if we're all solving a micro level challenge in one community? But at the, 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 the responsibility of business to me feels like this is where working with startups is most important to my heart. Yeah, that totally. If you're going to give money away to fight poverty, but then fight against paying your own employees a living wage, <laughs> there's a problem, Yeah. right? Yeah. So isn't that just about operating as a business ethically and thoughtfully against all these stakeholders so that you can sustain yourself into the future in a way that is authentic to the, the vision that you have as a business and your level of participation in our society. We've got like such scary challenges in front of us right now. We need to be putting all of our efforts and that includes venture capital and that includes, you know, the public sector and that includes nonprofits. Like we all need to be tackling economic disparities. We need to be tackling, you know, the, the climate crisis and the chaos that we are feeling on a daily basis as a result of that. Like all of us need to put our heads together on this, yeah. play a part in that, and tap into all the genius that we have not always listened to in order to come up with new solutions. So I just feel like, yes, nonprofits, you gotta you gotta catch up to this, but <laughs> business, you don't get to turn away from it and say it's nonprofits' <laughs> fault. You know? Yeah, it's it's yeah, I think both sides can could be right. more efficient and better. And that's and that's it. Well, I like to end on a little bit about the future and I I know that can be a little bit difficult to to discuss because we just never know these days what, what's going to occur. But if we look maybe, you know, three years down the line, what does success look like? It could be from, you know, the fellowship, from company ventures itself and, and sort of, you know, heading up impact side of things. Like, Just what does success look like in three years? Maybe when, when you look back and say, hey, this is what this is what we accomplished. Here's my dream for the fellowship specifically. We have an opportunity to tell a different type of story. This comes back to something you said, you know, we have an opportunity to tell a different type of story of what the New York City tech sector is and is about. And if we can reflect upon these three years and say, we showed the success of different business model types, we showed the success of different types of founders. We showed the success of different challenges that were addressed, the integration of that into the, you know, the, the scope of the public sector and the, the resources of the private sector. If we can showcase a, a model of operating that paints New York City in a different light as a tech ecosystem, that's, that's a dream come true. And that, that relies on us being successful in supporting these entrepreneurs who are doing sure. really impactful things. Um, the second order is we then have that conversation as a venture community. And here we are at Company Ventures, you know, a relatively small player out there. But we feel, you know, my colleagues are committed to this program, even if it's not directly benefiting our portfolio, as, as an effort to, to look at the role of venture a little differently and say, we have so much access and power and sure. privilege, right? That we, we need to lift our heads up and have a broader lens of, of how we impact our city. And so to have that conversation as a venture community with other players in New York and beyond, that would be 
a dream come true as well. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Lindsay, for, for taking the time today. Best of luck, uh, you know, in 2022 and, and sort of the years to come with, with everything going on. Um, I think you're at just a great spot to, to make a lot of impact and, and sort of, you know, change the landscape of, of a lot of things. And it's, uh, it's an exciting time. And, and so best of luck in, in the future. And shout out to whoever bought the domain name for you guys. Company.co is like, I mean, so amazing. <laughs> so like top, top five venture uh, domain name for sure. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. This has been a lot of fun. Um, yeah, and I appreciate your optimism. Let's let's hold on to that as we go into the new year.